Can you identify the moment that you became so upset? Was that home base? Greg made me upset. Okay, in what way? He was just being a big dumb face. I mean, why does Rebecca like him? Why is she all buddy-buddy with him? He's just a stupid know-it-all. And he's also your best friend, right? I mean, what did Greg do that made you so frustrated other than befriend Rebecca? I don't know. What do you think? Well, can I be honest? I think you're acting like a little bitch right now. Whoa, dude! Josh, you kissed Rebecca, but then you chose Valencia. And now, you can't let go of Rebecca's attention and adoration. And that's why you're jealous of Greg, dude. And that's how you're acting like a little bitch. Hobo Radio, the official podcast of HoboTrashCan.com. You can share your thoughts on the show anytime by emailing Joel at Murphy's Law at HoboTrashCan.com. Hi, this is Lucas Rodriguez III. You're listening to Hobo Radio, and you can catch me as Josh Chan and Crazy Ex-Girlfriend starting October 21st, Fridays at 9 p.m. on the CW. And now, your host, miniature dog enthusiast, Joel Murphy. Hello again. I'm Joel Murphy. This is Hobo Radio. And today, I am bringing you my interview with Vincent Rodriguez III. That's right, Josh Chan himself from Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. I was really excited to get a chance to talk to him. Uh, I really love this show. It's been such a delight. I, I've watched all of season one in a very quick binge on Netflix. Uh, just such a delightful show. And uh, obviously he is great in it. And uh, the talk was really great. Uh, you know, it was really interesting to hear his story of how he got into acting. And uh, we touch on a lot of stuff uh, about, you know, his father sort of not really accepting his career path. And I thought that was a really interesting uh, avenue to explore. And, and just his whole getting cast on the show is a really great story. And I think you guys are really going to enjoy this interview. Uh, so without further ado, here it is. My chat with Vincent Rodriguez III. I always like to start, um, how did you get into acting? <laughs> how did I get into acting? Um, I, I started doing uh, plays in high school. Um, that was like the first time I was able to do anything. For, like, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was in high school theater, basically, because I wanted to do musicals at a younger age, but... I, I didn't have that outlet because, I mean, the elementary school and junior high I went to didn't have plays, but um, I was involved in music at a really young age, um, and that was my performing outlet, and I also did martial arts as a kid because I, I thought I wanted to be like an action movie star, um, and uh, 
And then as soon as I got to high school, I mean, I knew that they had a theater program, so I was in, I was there so fast. <laughs> <laughs> and and was it just like instant? Like you had been wanting to do it for a long time. Was it just immediate? Like you felt this is it. This is what I want to do. Um, I think at first it was, it was just something I knew I was passionate about because I wasn't, I, I don't think I was mature enough or knowledge. I, I didn't have enough knowledge to, 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 to know like I could do this as a profession. Um, I, I didn't really have people saying you should do this professionally. <laughs> it was, it was always, there was always that blanket of this is just for fun type thing. Um, even though, even though the more I did it, the more I performed in plays and musicals, the more I got, had the experience of singing or dancing and anything, it, it felt like way more than just a hobby. Um, and, uh, I, I actually have talked to my previous acting teachers and they tell me stories about how when they met my dad, um, after a performance of something I did, like, um, they would, you must, you must, your son is going to, he's going to be a great actor like someday. Like he's, he's on his way. He, he's, this is what he's going to do. And my dad was like, Oh, actually, no, this is just, you know, for fun for him. This is just, you know, something to pass the time before he goes to a four year college and, you know, he'll do business like me. And my dad was just so clueless. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was at, that, at, at this point I was, I had done, it was my very first, it was my second musical outside of high, outside of my high school. Um, and so it was kind of odd to me that, he didn't see this as a sign of like, your son wants to do this. Like your son takes singing lessons. Your son like is in plays and, and does martial arts and is disciplined. And, you know, this is all your son wants to do. So it's interesting he did, that didn't like land on him, but, um, yeah, you know, he's a very kind of, uh, I was just going to say, no background. So. Yeah, I was gonna say, do you think it was just like that he he couldn't conceptualize it? Like it just didn't occur to him that that might be something that someone wanted to do for a living, or he just didn't see it with you? Like, what do you think it was? Um, I think it's his upbringing because he has an uh, he has a sister who's a who uh, he has relatives in the Philippines who were professional singers, and uh, I've met them before, and I I I think they're they're really nice and they're obviously talented, but I mean I didn't. I don't know. There was like a disconnect. Like he didn't embrace that for me. He didn't, he didn't get, he didn't think acting was a real job. So it was that kind of stereotypical, uh, which I, I, I talk more, it always comes up because, you know, I, I often talk on the subject of my, my upbringing and, you know, being a Filipino, uh, you know, going up in like a San Francisco and being raised in, in, in a way that's typical for for anyone, you know, Filipino family, um, that performing is not something like that you do to make money. Um, it's not a career. Uh, it's not a, it's not really a business. And the, the irony of it all is like you wanting me to be like someone who would take over for his business and be a businessman. And he saw me using my talents and my smarts way that not 
serve my future, was not going to serve my bank account. And um, the irony of it is now I'm I'm running my own business. And I, <laughs> I, um, I act on television and I get paid very well. And I have a business manager. I have a team of people who I work with. And, um, and this is, I get to do what I love to do, which is something that I don't think he could relate to because I don't think he was doing what he wanted to do. He was just doing what he had to do to help support his family. Um, and, uh, and, you know, and, and I, and I also teach. So now I have that opportunity to kind of be in my dad's position where when I'm working with students. I want to really Im- inspire them and, and, uh, give them the knowledge and the tools that, you know, I would have wanted to have at that age that I didn't have because I was look, struggling to look for it when I was, um, you know, in Daly city looking for, uh, you know, more, more training, like, like not just like I took dance at Westlake school of performing arts. I belonged to a team school theater company, but I just wanted more. I wanted more. And I wanted to just be a part of this business and learn what it took to do that. And it took me a long time to figure that out. Um, and now that when I teach, I try to not only give back to my students, but also, um, get them to understand that you being in my class does not mean I'm training you to become a star or become the next Broadway you know, sensation. I'm training you to like be open to these other, uh, parts of yourself that you can only express through singing, dancing, or acting. Um, or through using your imagination and and kind of just kind of tapping into these areas that you're not used to tapping into that academics doesn't really do. It's just about kind of self-discovery. And so that's kind of what I I like I like to think my focus is when I'm when I'm teaching, and it's something that I I would have loved to have had when I was younger. Well, yeah, I, I want to go back uh, just a little bit to that. So like you said, so you did it in high school. You you found out that you were interested in it. Your your dad kind of wasn't seeing it as a career path. What was next for you then? So you you just kept kind of finding outlets to do it or, or what, you know, how did it work post high school? Like what was your path at that point? Uh, I, I went to junior college for a semester. Um, and I picked the one that was furthest away from me because um, I wanted, maybe my dad would drive me to school. And I wanted to not be near home. I wanted to feel like I was away. Um, I took academic classes. I did not pass any of them. I remember <laughs> falling asleep during my English placement exam. I didn't care. <laughs> right. Um, it's not where my head was. And so after a semester of that, I went to a closer junior college. And uh, when I did that, uh, what, what happened was um, I started focusing only on arts. So singing, dance, and um, more singing, <laughs> music appreciation, things like that. And uh, I realized, like, that's really what I wanted to be thinking about. And then I, I luckily got to um, be in a production uh, of Guys and Dolls at a, uh, at, like, a community theater nearby. And the choreographer knew me from my from performing the teen company, and she let me be her assistant choreographer. And I was a featured dancer in the show and she kind of just took me under her wing and that led to me getting accepted into the youth conservatory ACT here um, in San Francisco. And that got me uh, my first, and then on the way going there, I got my first little survival job at Starbucks. Um, and it just kind of all came together. And now I was like working at Starbucks and I was um, taking classes at ACT and doing regional theater and, 
and wanting to, you know, get more training. And I'd heard about PCPA, the Pacific Conservatory of Performing Arts, through like two or three different people. And that story is crazy. And it's a way longer story than I think you have time for. But basically, all the circumstances pointed to I should audition for this school. And so I did. And uh, my acting teacher at a youth conservatory, ACT, be, uh, coached me for my audition, and I got in. And then when I got in, you know, my dad drove me to the audition and the callbacks and helped pay for school, and it was run through a junior college, uh, so we were able to apply for financial aid. So it was, I mean, we didn't spend a whole lot of money um, on my actual schooling, which was great, so there was no, like, big student loan. and. Uh, the student-teacher ratio was like for every two students, there's one teacher. We were working with professional actors, directors, you know, during the day as our teachers, but they would also direct and act in these shows at night, which we had to audition for. So it's this amazing combination of like school and real life um, experience. And then upon graduating in 2003 in May, uh, I had some time off, I think maybe a week or two. And then I did summer company that, that, that summer. So I did two musicals at PCPA. And um, while I was there, I, I went to LA to audition for things because I heard you could do that. And I didn't really know you could, <laughs> that that was an option. <laughs> so uh, someone, someone said, you should look on playbill.com. I'm like, what's playbill.com? <laughs> um, so, I, you know, it was completely green, just no clue. And, and she was like, oh, it's, it's, um, you know, it's a website, but don't worry, I'll, I'll print out the audition notices for you. So she did. And, um, and it was, a, one was for Mamma Mia, not a uh, national tour. Uh, and one was for 42nd Street National Tour. And I went in for both. I got called back for both. And the week of my birthday in August, like weeks before summer company was going to end, I got a phone call from Binder Casting in New York asking me to join the first national tour of 42nd Street. And I flipped out <laughs> and I couldn't believe it. And I called my dad and I told him that I was going on tour. I didn't ask him. I told him <laughs> and then I just did it. And then, and then after that, then it was like, the, you know, Typical, like you move to New York, you don't really know anyone, you sleep on couches, you, you have a bag on your back and you're taking four modes of transportation and you don't have any money and you're just kind of a vagabond. I did I did that. <laughs> so, so that was like the typical beginning of New York. And then obviously things um, uh, went on an upswing for me and I, I just went through a period. I went through like two or three year period in New York um, where I didn't stop working. I had like a week or two weeks in between jobs. I was constantly doing a musical every few months and just gigging, as they say. Uh, and it was great. And then, yeah, it's just so I, I mean, that's just, it was just this natural escalation of like, my dad didn't, my dad supported me in doing, in doing stuff. He wasn't like the most vocally supportive. You know, he didn't really want me to be an actor. Um, uh, but I did. So I kind of used his resistance as a, as a, uh, test. And, uh, so that's kind of where all that, part of where all that tenacity and perseverance came from, because I knew I'd have to deal with that in the real world. So before I even got to the real world, I was dealing with it with my father. And I think 
that kind of helped shape my ambition, I guess. And do you think when you went to New York, like when did he sort of accept it or get on, like officially like see that this was going to, you know, that this wasn't a distraction until you were going to business school or whatever. Do you think it was when you went to New York that he you know, got... You know, that's a good question. And I'll, I'll give you this example. Um, it was about six, six, seven years into being in New York. And um, I was visiting home. And I was on a break from the national tour of Xanadu. I was about to go to Tokyo. And I was ta- chatting with him and my youngest sister, who's a fashion designer in LA. And she's been ha- she'd been having tough times in, in, you know, finding work as a fashion designer. Uh, and he kind of casually said, you know, like, I wish you guys would get serious and get real jobs. And I was so mad. I went over to my bag. I left the living room and marched over to my bag and I got my contract. I said, does this look like a fake job to you? (laughs) This is a contract saying they're going to pay me over a grant, like somewhere over a grand a week to do this show. And I've been doing this show for a while now. And I'm the dance captain of the show. I cover the lead. I cover all the, like, like I'm working like legitimately thousands of people see me perform when I'm on, you know, like, it was so weird to feel so like, I don't know, like I, like really I have to prove this to you, like that this is legit. It felt kind of crazy in my head. And so, so I guess I'm telling you that to say like, it, he really didn't get it. And, um, and then up until when he passed away a few years ago, I, I, I found out like he was actually behind my back bragging about me to the nurses in the hospital. Saying, oh, wow. Like, oh, my gosh, you guys, my son's coming. He's coming from New York. He's an actor. He travels all over the world. He's in all these shows, and he's a, he's a singer. He's a dancer. He does everything. My son is so talented. You're going to meet him. You'll see. You'll see. And But when I get there, he didn't say any of those things to me. He just <laughs> says, you know, I worry about you. You know, when are you going to get a real job? Can't you? Why can't you be a nurse? And I'm like, Dude, Dad, you're like, like on your deathbed. Can you just like accept that? <laughs> so many years. Like, come on, buddy. Come on. You know, it's it's been a few years. And I look back and I go, oh man, that was really bad, bad thing. Um. So I, I so I don't know when he got it. I don't know if he ever got it. I think he was just always he was just a really um concerned father and so I get that and that's why you know I can be mad at him but I can but I still understand what he was thinking he was just worried about his son and I totally get that it's just too bad because there was so much joy I had from doing what I was doing what I did and that he, he just didn't bother to kind of go out of his own box to understand what I did and really learn to appreciate it the way that I appreciated it so it was just this unfortunate disconnect between my dad and I that that we never really resolve. Yeah, no, and that, and and I think you're right that it probably does just come out of like he's concerned for you. He he can't conceptualize the idea, but yeah, that that is kind of heartbreaking to never get to have that moment. And then I don't know too if like uh, so I, I'm guessing he passed away before Crazy Ex Girlfriend happened. So like he never got to see the TV side of things or anything like that. That might have been a bigger platform maybe for him to get it yeah 
yeah, he never, I never got that far in my ambition while he was alive. I had to go through my own um, journey to kind of arrive at even the to just the pursuit of television and film. It's something I knew I'd always do, but I had this this idea in my head that oh, you, you'll be on Broadway first, Vince, and you'll do a show, and then you'll audition during the day, and then you'll break out and do like bit parts. And it's like I had this kind of map in my head. And that all just didn't happen the way exactly had planned. So, but, but, you know, that's, that's life. Like you, you go for the gold, you work hard, you chase your dream, you chase every day, you, 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 you know, you hear your nose and you, you know, you crack on your, your audition songs and you go up on your lines or whatever, but you still go for it. And then you hope that one day it'll add up to, an awesome job or a great, you know, breakout opportunity. And, and I, I, I got to live that. And, uh, unfortunately he didn't get to see it, but, uh, um, you know, I like to think like wherever he is, he's like, wow, you did it. Good job, son. <laughs> and still kind of like bragging about all the cool stuff that you're doing up where, you know, wherever he is. Well, like, now get way more to brag about. <laughs> Uh, well, because I mean, you know, because Filipinos are very proud. So, <laughs> like Filipinos who aren't even related to me are bragging about me. I'm like, I don't even. I'm not related to you. They're like, it doesn't matter. You're Filipino. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. That it is. It's still just as awesome, isn't it? Yes, rejoice over this. This is a big deal. <laughs> Well, how, uh, yeah, let's talk about how Crazy Ex-Girlfriend came along, because it does seem almost like this perfect role for you that I'm going to guess that maybe like you wouldn't have conceptualized was going to exist uh, ended up happening. So, like, how did, uh, you know, that come about? Um, just auditions, you know, um, there was a breakdown. I, I was, the, the irony was I was doing Here Lies Love at the public theater in New York City at the time, which was an all-Filipino disco paparetta written by David Burton from The Talking Heads and Fat Boy Flint. That is amazing. So that, it, that sounds so it, great. It, it was. And it was so amazing and great that when they did it the first time, they sold out. And it was the Hamilton of its kind. Um, it was at the public, and it was sold out. You couldn't get tickets to it. Like Celebrities would come see it. It was that kind of show. And then um, and then they did a remount of it a few months after it had closed, and I became a part of that remount. And then I sang to Joan Rivers, like, she was like eight feet away from me. I sang to her face, to Joan Rivers, and various other celebrities, Fred Savage. Like, um, I mean, it was just amazing to see how many people would come see this show. And so that was the world I was in. And... Um, I didn't realize, like, oh, yeah, the director of the new Spider-Man franchise is in the audience, Mark Webb. And then he ended up being one of the executive producers on Crazy Ex-Girlfriend and the director of the pilot of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. So when I when I had been called back for the show, I got called back to read for him. And then he, he did ask me, oh, were you in here? Is he in here? I love. Um, uh, were you on when I was there? And I was like, yeah, I was. And he was like, who were you? And I was like, I was the guy at the end who sang to the audience, but you didn't recognize me because I had sunglasses and like a, and a, and a blonde fall over my, over my face. <laughs> um, so it was like a completely different character. Um, but so, you know, so it was just that connection with, with kind of kismet 
it was like, ooh, like that's that's cool. That that's a nice coincidence. But then I also my audition song for the show was was me accompanying myself on guitar while singing and rapping to Thug Mansion by Tupac Shakur. <laughs> and the only reason why so, you know, that happened. Um but the only reason why I knew that song was because I was going in for um an understudy position for the Broadway company of Holla, if you hear me, the Tupac Shakur musical. And that was around the same time I was in uh I went in for Here Lies Love. So as soon as I got into Here Lies Love I I was I wasn't available for Hall if you hear me, but I still had this song that I learned for the audition. So that was the song I used for my audition tape, which Rachel Bloom now says like, "Ooh, when I saw that Vincent Rodriguez the third audition tape for Crazy Ex Girlfriend, that was like a turning point for me in terms of knowing like this guy should play Josh." Um, so. At least that's how I remember it, unless I'm remembering incorrectly, which is totally possible. <laughs> so, like, with all, with all the articles that are out, I wouldn't be surprised if I got a few of my facts facts incorrect. But it was something like that. We're just like the world was kind of conspiring in my favor for this role. It felt like I was really every like. Even friends were like reading the size of me because I was so nervous. I was reading with so many different. Um, friends of mine just to get, make sure I was comfortable with the, the dialogue. It was a very easy scene, but I wanted it to feel very natural because it's television and I'm used to theater. Um, and the you know, one of my best friends, Olivia Ogama, we were, we were on the steps of, of the public, um, between shows of Here Like Love. And I had my guitar out because I was going over my audition song and whatever. And it was like getting ready for my final callback. And she's reading it with me again. And she says, I don't want to sound like weird or whatever. And you know, like, I love you and you're my friend. But aside from that, I think you're going to book this. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> nah, I mean, whatever. We'll see. Like, I don't know. And then another friend of mine said the same thing. One of the cast members read another scene with me, a different scene. And I don't, and I never read with her for anything. And at the end, she looked at me and was like, you nailed that. I think you could book this job. And I was like, oh, that's very sweet of you. That's so nice of you to say that. That's very, you know, that's comforting to me. It gives me confidence. Like, thank you. But I didn't necessarily believe her. And then, of course, that's exactly what happened. So, um, and just, it, it all worked out. Like, they really liked how I, how I understood this character and where the character was coming from and his background. And then the show is a musical comedy and I have 13 years of professional musical theater performance experience. So like, you know, they give me a song like two days before I record it, I learn it, I record it. And then two days before I actually have to film that song, I'm, I have the playback and I'm rehearsing, you know, uh, singing along with my playback, and then we do a bunch of different versions of it. You know, whether it's dancing or it's just singing or it's the camera or it's you know whatever. Like it, it just feels like it's the world I was, I was kind of in already. It's just the only difference is there's cameras on me now, and you know I have to be really clear in my head when we're in fantasy or when we're you know kind of being more theatrical versus being very based in a grounded reality. And I, and those are all the, I think, I mean, that's a very general, generalized way of putting it, but that's kind of how I see it. Um, 
and there's shades in between, but those are the kind of the bold plot points in terms of how we have to tackle this material because it's really funny. It's also based in truth. It's also has a very has a dark undertone. We handle a lot of taboo subjects. Um, we're, we use a lot of adult humor, and but it's a, you know, and it's, it's we're spoofing genres, we're spoofing music videos, but we still got to perform it, and that's part of the joke is that doing the genre, staying true to the genre helps sell the joke and sell what our point of view is about this person or what, you know, what, what the circumstances of the song. So um, I think all my musical theater training kind of helps with that. So, and also I'm working with brilliant people and I'm constantly learning from them on set. Like I, I, sh- I shadow people, I just <laughs> talk to people, the crew and ask them questions. I'm like, how do you know this? Or like, what is, what is punching a script mean? Like, oh, we're <laughs> punching up a joke in the script. I'm like, oh, cool. Terms. LA. Got it. <laughs> Learning stuff. So it's, it's neat. Um, I'm like, I feel like a kid in a candy store right now. <laughs> Uh, what I, I love about hearing your story of being cast on the show is there's actually, to me, there's like an interesting parallel between the way that you ended up on this show and actually the pilot episode of like for Rachel Bloom's character of all of these signs that she's seen that she's supposed to go to Escovina. It almost seems like you had a real world world version of that, whereas like all of these things pointing to like, this is your path, like this is where you're supposed to go. So I just think that's kind of cool. That, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a good point. <laughs> I didn't think about that. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. That's, yeah. Wow. <laughs> you, can, um, you can have yeah, that. I didn't really think about that. You can have that if you want. I can for, have that For now. future interviews, am, steal that. Yeah. I am Rebecca Bunch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Except I didn't chase, I didn't chase a guy. Well, I was right. already with, I was already with my, been with my boyfriend, now husband, for like a long time. If any, my, 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 my Josh Chan in my real life was this dream of just being more than a swing or an ensemble member in a musical in New York or in regional theater. So yeah. Wow. Okay. Cool. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, I, uh, I want to talk more about the show, but since, uh, you did mention your husband when I was doing research, uh, for this interview, I saw the Instagram photo of you guys, uh, on the ride mm-hmm. at Disneyland. And I just, mm-hmm. I would love to hear that story. You mentioned that you proposed to him on a roller coaster. So if you don't mind sharing that, I would I love did. to. Yeah. Yeah, so basically, um, we decided that, like, we were going to do, like, something, you know, you know, we're not going to do anything traditional. So, so, like, he proposed to me, and then I, and I, and I was like, okay, so now it's my turn. And so, he won't know when or where. And so, I, we, we, I was doing Hunchback of Notre Dame at La Jolla Playhouse, and we got a free day at Disney. And so, I, uh, yeah, I, I, I was on the, the California Screaming Roller Coaster ride. We sat down. They locked. They, they checked the the tightness of the that thing that goes over your chest. And I said, "Hey, Greg, can I ask you something?" He's like, "What?" And, I was, and then I just took out the box and opened it. <laughs> and he just like smiled, looked up at the sky, and was like, "Oh, here!" And I was like, "Yeah." <laughs> so question mark? And he was like, "Yes, of course, of course." You know, 
I don't think I was like close enough to kiss him because I was lost into the harness thing. <laughs> and he, he tried holding onto the box because he was fumbling with it. And I was like, okay, you need to give me that ring right now. We're about to go upside down. Um, so that was, that's basically it. Yeah, those are that's like gutsy logistics of with the handling of the ring moments before a, a roller coaster starts up. I mean, I was fearful of it. Like <laughs> I held on to sunglasses and stuff, you know, on a roller coaster ride, and and it's just so awesome because you know I, I I used to go to Disneyland like every year when I was a kid, and there's a time where. Uh, my parents couldn't afford it anymore. So I remember they took me to Vegas or Reno or Vegas. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know why you take your kid to Vegas, but they did. And I was like, what am I going to do in Vegas? Like, this isn't Disneyland. It's going to suck. And of course, we passed a big billboard for Lance Burton and David Copperfield. <laughs> so, of course, they took me to Lance Burton and David Copperfield's show. And that's and since then, I became a magician, and that was how I became a magician. So had, had they not interrupted the Disneyland, you know, kind of yearly trip, I would not have become a magician. And I've been doing magic since I was a freshman in high school. And um, uh, and that, that's a joke in the show, too. It's in the pilot, because um, Josh does magic. <laughs> so, and that's partly based, that's based on me, because I told them I was a magician. I gave them a list of my special skills and they're like, this is ridiculous. We're going to use as many of these as we can. <laughs> and so, and, season, and that's what season two will actually have. You'll see a lot of diversity in what Josh is able to do, whether he's singing or not singing. So a lot of it's going to come out. But, um, but yeah, so like as an adult, going back to Disneyland and not by myself or just with friends, but with my cast, like to be cast in a Disney musical, like a brand new Disney musical, like not brand new, but stage premiere, the contract of Notre is one of the biggest accomplishments of my, of my professional career. And I, I, I hold it that way in my heart. And then, so to be there with my, with my, with my honey, like my, <laughs> my, my, you know, my, my, my husband to be was, was, was great. And, uh, so, and why not? I'm going to propose to him on a roller coaster ride in California Adventure. Take that, Instagram. <laughs> um, yeah, because so like, I, I like having those memories. It's fun to kind of look, you know, Facebook memories. Uh, you can always see like what stuff happened like on that day, a year to like, I don't know, five, ten years ago or whatever. And it's, it's fun to just like look back and see how far you've come. And so that's part of like why I wanted to make that post. Um, so. Because it was an important week. It was an important weekend. It was our one year anniversary. So it was fun. It was great. Uh, no, I, I think that's such a wonderful story. I, I think that's so cool that you did that. I also, I, I'm just kind of struck like listening to you talk. I think what I always really liked about the character of Josh and what I see in you too is like, there's a very much like a positivity to you. Just you, you have a very positive vibe and I, I really enjoy that. And I think that's really nice in the character that you always see that the Josh is always sort of upbeat and positive, even when dealing with some really, you know, sad stuff. Oh, well, thank you. That's very sweet of you. Yeah. Josh is, um, Josh is a little blinded by his not kindness or out positive outlook on life, but he, he, cause that's not the problem. But I feel like Josh and I are the same in that way. It's just that Josh didn't, hasn't grown up in other ways. And, and that's what's kind of holding him back. And, you know, Rebecca 
is is kind of enabling him to to stay that way. Um, you know, encouraging him to like, get a job and you know do what he wants to do. But you know, Rebecca has never tried to make Josh do anything Josh hasn't wanted to do. Josh's aspirations are not are not so so much bigger. And he doesn't strive for, he, like, he doesn't want to go to the moon. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that's where Josh and I differ. Are we? I, I am very ambitious. Josh is not as ambitious. He <laughs> values things that um, I think are very temporary for his, for his age and where he's at in his life. Um, he's not as worldly as I think he could be. And... You know, and I'm, I strive to be more open to ideas and places and things. And and in the last five years of my life, I've definitely been going through a process where I'm opening up and become. You know, it's like it's growing up. It's becoming an adult and accepting that you are able to create your reality and and uh, you know create who you want to be. And that's kind of where I'm at. And you know, that's I think the struggle for many artists is to find find authenticity in that. Like, who am I? And what do I want to create? And what what am I passionate about? What are my beliefs? And um, as I get older, I I feel like I'm much closer to being able to identify all those things. And Josh is just on a slower track than that. So in that way, I think they're just very different. But I still still adore Josh. He's a very sweet man. (laughs) He needs to read more books and and probably get out more and, you know, <laughs> well, he does, I do <laughs> love that. He, his activities, but. I, I do love that. He sincerely believes that West Covina, California is the greatest <laughs> city in the world. Like 100% honestly believes that I think is kind of adorable in a way that like, he's so focused on, you know, just, and yeah, I, I think that is kind of him that it's like, he, he's really into activities and having a good time, but maybe hasn't really found a path or a direction in his life to actually channel those into something maybe more adult. Well, he doesn't have, well, we have to, you have to remember like, what is, what, what is the drive for any, for anyone to do that for themselves? There has to be some form of like, um, you have to be unhappy with something and see something is wrong in order to change it. So he doesn't see anything wrong with his life. He hasn't, once he starts wanting more than what he has, he'll re, you know, I think he'll, he'll start to see that he, he can't just do what he's been doing. He has to do something else. So if you keep doing what you've always been doing, expecting a different result, now you're just insane. But, you know, our show does tackle such subjects, luckily. Um, but I think Josh falls into that category. And in season two, you'll see, you'll, you'll see him go through that. Um, we're going to definitely touch on, on Josh's like self-awareness and uh, you'll see kind of how he can, he can be, he can be pretty blind to what's, to what's around him and kind of, uh, I don't know, not closed off, but just like, it's like, it's like that, it's like those horses that have those blinders on that only see, so they can only see what's in front of them, but they can't see outside of that. Josh has, has definitely a case of that. <laughs> Well, I, I had an interesting philosophical question that I kind of wonder when I watch the show that I, I'd be curious if you have thoughts on, which is like, do you think mm-hmm. Josh and Rebecca should be together? Like, are they meant to end up together? Are they a good couple? Because I think 
the last shot of last season kind of played with a lot of that idea and sort of wrestling with showing you the beauty of the relationship and then sort of ending with like, eh, but there's still problems. Um, you know, I think Josh and Rebecca should definitely be friends. And I, and, uh, I think what the show is exploring is, is what happens when these two people are together, whether or not they end up together in the end. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't think they should be together um, in the state that they're in now, but if they grow up, maybe, maybe there's hope, but, um, so, so that's kind of, you know, I guess, I don't know if that's really an answer, but as they are now, no, I don't think they should end up being together, but I do think that they need each other in a way. And that's why they are gravitating towards each other. And it's just taking them a while as, as uh, things are in life. It takes time to let things simmer and to reflect on them. And, um, you know, Josh is only so mature right now. <laughs> um, you know, he's gonna he's gonna learn a lot <laughs> in season two, as he's learned as, as you see at the end of season one, where he he finds out about Rebecca. But um, but you know, Josh will Josh can be distracted by certain other things, and he has a little bit of squirrel syndrome in season two. Squirrel, uh, <laughs> very easily distracted. So um. So we get to see that and you can see how it messes up his life and how it can make it great. But ultimately, it doesn't really the best for him. Um, so I do think it, they have something to gain by being together. And that's why they're attracted to each other. So that I totally get. Uh, to change gears a little bit, uh, what is something that most people don't know about you? Hmm. Oh. I'm not sure. It's like, I have to just like, I'm going through my brain. Like, what have I not said in an interview yet? You know, <laughs> I think, um, um, I, I, well, I don't know if people know that I'm a teacher. That's something I have a, I'm a pretty, I'm becoming more of an advocate more of an advocate for education because uh, it's something I find myself gravitating towards when I'm in between jobs. And it's something I, I had been doing between jobs since I graduated PCPA. Um, so like when I got that tour, the 42nd Street tour, I had a layoff and which means basically the tour isn't booked. So they send everyone home and they can do whatever they want. And so I would go back and teach at BCPA and they would pay me. And so I'd go back once or twice a year to PCPA and that just kind of expanded. And I would teach for my old high school teacher and uh, a music director I used to work with in high school and speak at um, uh, certain clubs or uh, classes at my old high school. And it just, I, I realized I had this drive to share what I know because I remember being young and whether I wanted to know something or I was just, I was just a walking sponge, but I didn't feel like people were taking advantage of the fact I was a sponge. They weren't enriching my brain and challenging me in a way that I thought would serve me as an adult. And so that, that past thought in my brain makes me want to, be the answer to that to that question or the solution to that problem, 
and like go back and teach like high school, junior high kids or college kids and speak to them about the business and about how to, how to find their place. And, you know, I don't know if you want to say make it, but how to like work and, you know, thrive in in this business. And then not necessarily in this business, because I know a lot of people who do theater often don't uh, stick to the performing arts. Sometimes they go on the back end and they become producers or casting directors or executives, um, uh, you know, art directors and set designers and props and lights and camera, camera crews and things like that. Uh, but some people just need arts when they're young to kind of understand who they are and we, what, what spot is right for them in the world and what job they should have. And that's how I see performing arts. And so that's something I'm very passionate about when I, when I teach and I think one of the things I keep in mind when, um, when, uh, when I'm on, on break, because <laughs> I, I do like to, I do like to teach and go back to where I'm from and share what I know. No, I think that's a really great goal. And, and especially, you know, hearing you talk that you didn't have someone like that when you were younger, that it's nice that you're kind of offering that to, you know, maybe the next generation that they have someone that maybe would have been helpful for you when you were starting out. Well, well, that's the, well, that's the thing though, too, that it, it, it's not that I didn't have anyone. I mean, I had my, my drama teacher, Ms. Bishop in high school, like she was, she she inspired all of us, but because of her, like we we did direct our own plays. We you know we were always being thinking outside the box and throwing ourselves into these scenes and just open to discovery. And that we 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 learned that from her, you know. But then you know you only get so far in your own self like development, and you've got to go beyond that. And so you want to find another teacher and have them build upon you, you know, build more in your brain and in your, in your, in your art. And, um, I guess I just felt like when I was younger, there were other questions I had professional, like things pertaining to the profession that weren't as accessible to me because the teachers that were teaching me were not, you know, working actors in New York, um, or whatever. When I got to PCPA, they were, working actors, but for the, for that time that they were there, they were our resident actors. So only so, only so often would they go away to work and come back. And so I love that idea of like, go live, like, like work in this business, work in this field, but then go back and then teach what you learn. Okay. Now go away again. Okay. Now come back. So I love hearing how like, um, drama teachers and music teachers are now going away on music conferences or retreats to New York to see Broadway shows and talk to Broadway stars and Broadway creators, Broadway creative teams, and asking them questions about how the business is changing and how the art form is changing. And then they get to teach that to their kids. I love that idea. So I want to be one of those kinds of pioneers, I guess, who, who comes back to teach what they know after sitting in the the pool of show business and because because when i was younger i got i had i had some great mentors for sure but i i wanted i wanted more and so i just i guess that that's really what i'm kind of pushing for because the people who were my mentors then and who who aided me i i don't forget who they are and i'm i am here because of them and i want to be that for other people too i guess is what i'm saying 
what does the future hold for you? Um, I think I would I I would love to span Broadway and television, film, commercials, and I, I've always dreamed to just be a working actor. Uh, and if I'm lucky, I'll get to tell stories that I'm passionate about and that thrill me and that I think are important. Uh, I I think I, I I will be directing. Um, I, don't, I mean, I, I, I see myself directing television. I don't know if I'll be directing films, but who knows? My brain, because of all the dance captaining I did and my dancing I did, I have this brain that kind of sees overall picture. Like I have, like I see the shots in my head when I read scripts now. Um, that's where my imagination goes. That's something I think I'm going to be developing um, in the back of my head as I keep acting because um, I love acting. I don't think I'll ever stop acting ever, but I, I definitely think my interests will expand as I mature and as a, as, as the business changes. Um, but I, I, I see myself being like an actor, performer, a, I mean, I'm always going to be a singer and I'll dance till, till I'm dead. Um, I'm always gonna <laughs> I'm always gonna wanna tell tell stories and um and be in this part of this business and and I'll I'll wanna direct, you know, these stories and um and also I'll wanna educate. So I'll definitely be spending time traveling and um teaching others. That's like where I see myself. Thanks so much for talking to me, man. I really appreciate it. It was a really nice chat. Oh no problem, dude. No problem. Yeah, thanks for the, thanks for the for the interview. I appreciate it. Yeah, no, I, I'm I love the show. I think it's really great, and it's been really fun to watch. So I'm I'm looking forward to season two. Oh, thanks. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, we're, it's going to be really exciting. It's it's going to be a lot. Uh, I think the audiences are going to be flipping out because it's it's pretty intense what we got going on. <laughs> awesome. Cool. Thanks, man. All right. All right. All right. Take care, Joel. Yeah, you too. Right, bye. Bye. There you have it, my interview with Vincent Rodriguez III. And what did I tell you? Just such a delightful guy, such a good chat. Uh, And if you are looking for more of him, you have to wait no further than this coming Friday at 9 p.m. on The CW, the new season of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Make sure to check that out. And if you want more interviews, if you want to hear me talk to more people, go to hobotrashcan.com. There are plenty of interviews in the archive. Go check them out. Uh, and uh, that that's going to do it for us this week. So remember, kids, don't do drugs or you go to hell before you die. I can feel it beating through the buttons on my t-shirt Words are whirling in my head I try to catch them but I'm beleaguered by the laughter in the classroom And the circle's getting tighter and they're cheering me to swing at them But I told them I don't fight because the last time I got caught up in this mess I put a teacher on his back and got kicked out of prep Good kid, mad school, underfunded public everything They put me in a room with my class already ahead of me Student-teacher conflict to parent-teacher conference I chalk it up to being from different sides of a long fence And I only give them the benefit of the doubt because they're 
underpaid and their union leaders are selling out. Now this kid is testing me like an SAT. And if I don't swing upon him, there goes three credibility. Do it. Watch me get free. On a one-way ticket to alternative school. See you in spring. Still sweating my style because I'm alternative cool. Since Zach was slamming lockers The scholars are studying and fighting for top of the honors The gossip is spinning gossamers The promise always ominous Everyone has a place and every event has a promise Where am I? Sitting in the counselor's office Talking about second chances, resolutions and problems They wanna fix me Diagnose the history Propagate not fitting in the program is a mystery People like to use the word alternative a lot nowadays Makes them feel like they invented what it is and what it ain't On a pedestal to say what I can and what I can't Do it in the walls of this school that I'm forced to walk through every day I didn't ask for this The prescription to the meds The emotional behavior disorder You want offense You want a better attitude The student Pay your teachers more Or what the hell you teaching for Watch me get free On a one-way ticket to alternative school See you in spring Still sweating my style Cause I'm alternative cool Understand what's not right Cause most of the kids getting held back And not right If I was giving you the grade You'd have been right I learned less in school than I do outside My teacher's cool but the system is failing The gap between the resource room and AP I'm more than my test score but it counts not When they got you climbing up their mountain Watch me get So if you don't mind, just for the podcast version, if you could just do an intro for me to play at the beginning, uh, just where you're like, this is Vincent Rodriguez, the third, uh, you're listening to Hobo Radio, and then you can say anything you want after that. Hi, this is Vincent Rodriguez, the third, you're listening to Hobo Radio, and you can catch me as Josh Chan and Crazy Ex-Girlfriend starting October 21st, Fridays at 9 p.m. Perfect. On the CW. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get that in there. I'll, I'll add the CW part, but yeah, no, that's perfect. <laughs> Hobo Radio is a production of Hobotrashcan.com. If you enjoyed the show, please rate or review it on iTunes. Hear more great shows on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network, like this one. Hey, this is Chris. And this is Joe from the Curioso Podcast. And we give our stamp of Curioso approval to the podcast that you're listening to right now.